Praise the Lord. It is good to be in the house of God one more day. It is so good to see the Spirit of the Lord on this bright, sunny Sunday morning here in the great city of Columbus, Ohio. I thank the Lord for each and every one of you that has tuned in or that is in the process of tuning in to listen as God shares with you a word uh, for your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, and your spirit. Last week, we, did not, we didn't get to, a chance to finish what we were talking about, and, and I believe that uh, right now in this nation, the nation itself is in an identity crisis. I've also found that not only is the nation in an identity crisis, but so too is the church. Many of us are struggling with who we are. And because we don't fully understand who we are, it becomes impossible to function in the fullness of who we truly are because we don't know our capabilities, we don't know our strengths, we don't know our authority. And because we don't fully understand our identity, we are limited in the experience in this life. And I believe that God has uh, given this word to me to, to speak to you, to give to you, that uh, as you begin to meditate upon it and allow it to minister to you, go back over and listen to the sermon again and again. Um, you'll be able to uh, grow in knowledge, in wisdom, in understanding. And in so growing, you're increasing your uh, intimate connection with God in the sense of the reality of it in your current life, not in the life to come, but in the life right now. We talked about last week, if we needed a phrase uh, for the year, as he is, so are we. The foundational uh, text is built off of that part of the scripture, as he is, so are we. We talked about all of the things that we are connected to uh, in Christ, the things that he has accomplished because we are in him, because we are now as he is now, then we can uh, live out in our earthen experience, our, in our human condition, the fullness of every victory that Jesus has already won. Many of us are struggling in life, and we're struggling um, in, in different areas of our life, uh, in relationships with people, so on and so forth, simply because we're really struggling with our own identity. We don't fully understand or comprehend who it is that we are. And when you don't know who you are, when you don't know who you are, you have no idea of your real potential. It's your potential that scares the devil. 
It's your potential that scares the kingdom of darkness. It's your potential that scares even humanity. But hopefully after today, you'll have a better grasp on not only who you are and whose you are, but what you are right now capable of so that you can begin to exercise the varying gifts of the Spirit of God that are truly implanted, invested in you, waiting for you to draw from the well or the treasure box that God has implanted in you. In your earthen vessel houses the excellency of the power of God. God has implanted treasure in you. He has implanted himself in you. Not like we do today where we store money away, uh, hopefully so that it appreciates in value, and at some point in the future, uh, we are able to uh, have in our possession more than we initially invested. The greatness of God is, is that because He is, because His greatness is, because everything is already subject to Him, what is implanted in you has already reached its maturity date. Now somebody ought to just shout for God right there because right now when you look at the investment world, you are struggling and hoping and praying that what you're investing in uh, doesn't go belly up, but it has a prosperous year or a year where they are able to uh, say to themselves, we have uh, uh, taken in more than we have given out. So our uh, profits are high and our deficits are low. And you're hoping that as a result of that, your investment will increase, even if it's only a little bit, over time. But how amazing is the treasure that God has invested in you, that when he invested it in you, he invested it at its maximum potential. Oh, Hallelujah. He's invested in you the fullness of himself at its maximum potential. It cannot grow any greater than what it already is. <laughs> that, that right there ought to just set your heart ablaze when you begin to think about uh, the fullness of God actually uh, dwelling inside of you, waiting for you to draw from that well of treasure that's implanted in you so that you can accomplish in not the life to come, but in this life, everything that is commissioned for you to do, everything that is appointed for you to do, everything that um, God has missioned you to do. You begin to think about this uh, he's already equipped you. He's already given you the authority. He's already given you the power. He's already released the resources. He's done everything that is necessary for you to just enjoy great success in every step that you take. Because I am now as he is 
I am now here in the earth in my human condition. What he is now in heaven seated at the right hand of God in his exalted condition. So last week we left off talking about our connection to his death because he died, I died. We left off talking about his resurrection. He arose, I arose. We talked about his ascension. He has ascended, I have ascended. We talked about the connection because of these things that, are, uh, that God is implanting in us. We, we left off, the last thing that we talked about was the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is actually in existence in your life. Now, we don't often function according to God's wisdom. And, and, and often it's because we simply don't realize who we are. And because you don't realize who you are, you can't tap in to the wisdom that's connected to your identity when you don't really understand your identity in the first place. Then the wisdom that's connected to the identity you don't understand becomes something for which you cannot grasp. But by the grace of God, by the time this is all said and done, you'll begin to understand who you are. Over this last uh, week, we um, had a very crazy thing happen in our nation and looking at the news reports from the varying news agencies, they're using words like insurrection, seditious behavior. I have to say that as an LEO, I was appalled at the reports that were coming out of the, the varying investigations that are currently uh, going on related to what took place on that day. You, you begin to look at the history and the preparation for things connected to protests that have already occurred in this nation protests whether you believe in the group or not, Black Lives Matter or uh, all uh, many of the uh, black religious organizations that have come together to uh, speak out against police injustice and uh, police brutality and the senseless uh, and needless loss of life at the hands of police officers who have a callous disregard for the humanity of a black citizen. And it seems like agencies across this nation were greatly prepared for those protests. They had all the equipment, they had all the resources, they had all uh, of the strategizing and the planning was in place and, and, and there was a definite show of force. Whether you agree with that show of force or you agree with the actions uh, of the law enforcement officers that took place uh, during those uh, uh, protests that turned into riotous events, I will never agree that stealing a television out of 
uh, Walmart somehow supports my protest, my angst against injustice for my community by the very ones who are sworn to be the example of justice. You cannot connect the two. And I know the, 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 the famous quotes by Dr. Martin Luther King in reference to riot is just another language of the oppressed. But then when we look at what took place just this past week, under the guise of protest, protesting an injustice. Now let me just pause there for a second. I'm going I'm to get into the word, but this is uh, impressed upon my spirit by God because we have to begin to see what's going on. A protest about an injustice that is not real. This insidious behavior was incited by a man who could not accept his just defeat. So he spawned lies, whether you support him or not, you think that he did good things for you or for your socioeconomic group or your religious cultural belief. It, it doesn't matter. In this moment, the nation had an election and that election bared out a specific result. And even in his final concession, after everything that has transpired, he says he didn't agree with it. It doesn't matter whether you agree with being voted in or voted out. The will of the people has been spoken. And instead of doing what he should have done, what his predecessors have done, he stirred and incited violence over an issue that did not exist. And they soft-toed it. They're still tap dancing around it. Even understanding and knowing that this was going to take place on this specific day, and if you have any kind of common sense, you realize that what was done was simply to bring intimidation to those that would speak or believe against the lie of a fraudulent election. But he stirs it up, and those very same agencies were somehow now ill-prepared. They were somehow now unable to contain the crowd until damage was already done. And we can make the argument as an LEO, you can make the, uh, the argument that we responded in one way in previous protests, and we were shot down for it. political powers, got involved in defund and demilitarized police agencies, became the uh, moniker of politicians that were trying to show support for a just cause. 
But it wasn't the rioters that were actually protesting the injustice. It was the people who were doing it in a peaceful manner within the confines of the law. And we were prepared. And when riots broke out, we were prepared. But somehow, because the dynamic of the crowd is now different. It's not black, brown, it's not Hispanic, Asian people that have come together. But it's a certain group. And because it's that group, nothing's going to happen. It'll be okay. We don't need to plan or prepare different or, or as we did in the past. And what really appalled me even beyond that, because you have to understand that when you look at that, you begin to see that the preparation for a, uh, for lack of a better term, Black Lives Matter a protest, for those that were truly protesting, is different than a protest for, or a preparation for a protest that had to do with a fraudulent uh, election where the injustice of one is validated and the injustice of another is fabricated. I know I'm not making any friends today. I know that even some of my own brothers and sisters in law enforcement may be tuning me out or upset at me or angry at me because I'm speaking what is true. But the fact of the matter is, when the barriers of our political structure, the symbolism of our democracy were invaded, the reports have shown that there were even some LEOs who not only allowed entry, but directed those rioters to offices of people who maybe hold a different political view. I don't care whether you like me or not. Because it's to God that I am accountable. The fact of the matter is that any LEO that did that, they should be charged as a rioter themselves. They should be charged with a dereliction of their duty. They bring dishonor and discredit to the institution of law enforcement. And it all revolves around a lack of understanding of our identity. Because we don't truly understand who we are even as a nation. It was, it was very easy for one man to twist the minds of millions of people and cause thousands of people on that dreaded day to make a mockery of our democracy. Simply because 
We don't know who we are. It's crazy when you begin to think about the power that is really invested in us by God. So let me get into the word. We talked about how the wisdom of God then becomes our wisdom. And because it is ours, it is something that we can function in, not tomorrow, but right now. In every daily trial and tribulation of life, we can apply the wisdom of God to get us through we also find that because I am now what he is, his joy is my joy. You ought to look at your neighbor sitting next to you on your couch as you're sitting there in your PJs, nice and comfortable, tuning in to hear what thus says the Lord and tell your neighbor, the joy of the Lord is my joy. Turn with me into the book of John, the 15th chapter in the 11th verse, and you'll see Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Well, why would your joy be full? Your joy is full because your joy is now my joy, because my joy is now your joy, and my joy is in you, not something that is being stored for use in the future, but something that has been implanted for use right now. When you begin to think about what I just said, I may not be able to repeat it uh, verbatim, but it's perfectly logical. It may have sounded crazy. My joy in you, your joy in me, joy, uh, somebody joy somewhere. I don't know. I just, I just know there's joy. It sounds logical when you begin to think about the goodness of Jesus. Jesus did not say joy like mine. We got too many like stuff. That's why when real weight hits it, because it's not the real thing, it can't stand the weight that's applied against it. Jesus didn't say, you got joy in you that's like my joy. Jesus said that you have his joy. The joy of the Lord Jesus Christ is not an ordinary joy. The joy of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a conditional joy. The joy of the Lord Jesus Christ is not founded upon earthly things. It's not based upon the amount of earthly possessions, but the joy of the Lord is supernatural. And if his joy is in me, which has superseded my joy, then as he is, so are we, 1 John 4 and 17. As he is, so are we. You ought to make it personal. As he is, so am I. I have supernatural joy waiting to be accessed in the annals of this treasure box. See, we are to have the joy that the Lord Jesus Christ has. His joy is to be our joy. We're not talking about fun times or some level of happiness. We're not talking about a smile on your face or giggles from your lips. We're talking about the joy of the Lord. 
That's that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. You know, see, the problem is we don't understand who we are, so we can't comprehend what this joy is. But 1 Peter 1 and 8 says that the joy is unspeakable and full of glory. I can't even begin to define the level of joy that is in me. And the fact that because as he is, so am I. It's my legacy. Jesus said, I have spoken this to you that my joy might remain in you. Now think about his joy. The Bible says God hath anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows. You can read about that in Hebrews, the first chapter and the ninth verse. So no joy ever like the Lord Jesus. And that joy is your joy. As he is, so are we in this world. This is why I can still have a smile on my face when diverse times come, when tribulation comes, when the very ground upon which I stand begins to shake. I can still be filled with supernatural joy. My, my son Jeremiah, one of his favorite movies when he was a little boy, we watched it over and over and over and over again was the original Lion King. We, we watched that thing so much, we could all do the parts. And there was a part where Simba goes across the desert or the barren area, and he goes into hyena land, him and Nala. And Nala's telling him, hey, we're in a dangerous place. This is a bad condition. And he turned around and he said, ha, I laugh in the face of danger. You see, you have to understand when you, he, he was connected to his father, Mufasa. He understood that the greatness and the glory of his father, the rule and the dominion and the power of his father, he was connected to. Because he and his father had conversations about everything that you can see is yours. Oh, that'll, that'll hit you right there at midnight. Everything you see is yours. So he was connected to it. He wasn't denying the danger. What he was saying is because I know who I am, that even in the face of danger, I still got a chuckle in my belly. Oh, somebody ought to just jump off your, your couch right now, get away from that kitchen table and just do a dance for the Lord. You ought to run through your house right now. Matter of fact, you ought to run around your house right now and just begin to praise God, understanding that everything that you may be going through, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, whether it's dealing with your health, your mental state of being, your relational state of being, that you still are filled with supernatural joy. That means that in the face of everything that's being thrown at me I can declare I shall not be broken you know the sorrow of our Lord there are sorrows because as he is so am I his sorrows will be your sorrows you see 
Jesus was a man of sorrows. The Apostle Paul prayed in Philippians 3, not only may I know the power of his resurrection, but he also said, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. As he is, so are we. Don't buy into the idea that because you're identified with Christ, your troubles are over. I've told you before, Jesus Christ did not come to get you out of trouble. He came to get into trouble with you. You see, the, the power and the grace of God is not as prevalent when things are going well. Oh, but the glory of the Lord begins to shine when I'm in my time of trouble. He didn't come to get me out of trouble. He came to get into trouble with me. And his wisdom is your wisdom. His joy is your joy. His sorrow is your sorrow. Jesus will never be nearer to you than when you uh, begin to think about the things that break his heart. They ought to break your heart. You want Jesus to be real to you? You ought to begin to weep over this hell-bent world. When was the last time you shed tears of sorrow for somebody else's pain? Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a man of sorrows because he looked at the world and saw the devastation and the hopelessness that is in it. He understood that because a wounded spirit no one can bear. And a wounded spirit is made manifest when hope is lost. I'm almost out your way. I want to say to you that his friends then become my friends. I love this passage in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40 where Jesus said, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these of my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That is, these are my friends. When you love my friends, you're loving me. For as I am, so are you in this world. If you don't enjoy being with brothers and sisters in Christ, I think there are some certain conclusions that should be made in your condition. The late great Dr. Vance Havner once said, when I see a bird that looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, paddles in the water like a duck, and prefers the company of ducks, I conclude that that bird must be a duck. And if you just love this world, you look like this world. You prefer the company of the people of this world. I doubt that you truly know and understand the Lord Jesus Christ like you think you do. 
Jesus said, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of one of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Thank God for the blessings of Christian friends. I long for the fellowship uh, together again of the body of Christ. I long for the gathering together to see my brothers and sisters, to celebrate both life and Christ uh, together in the house of God, the house of prayer, the house of praise, the house of dynamic power, the house of healing, the house of victory. I would be remiss if I did not tell you this. As he is, so are we. That means his enemies are our enemies. Some of you think that when you came to Jesus, you wouldn't have any enemies anymore. That somehow life was going to get easy. All your enemies were just going to flee from you. Go back again to John chapter 15 and look now, if you would, into verse number 18. And this is what really messes folk up. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. As he is, so are we in this world. We spend a lot of time trying to make the world our friend. We spend a lot of time trying to make the world feel comfortable in the house of God. We spend a lot of time trying not to hurt people's feelings. We spend a lot of time trying to not uh, hold people accountable for their nonsense. But look at the text. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. His friends are my friends, but that means his enemies are my enemies. And the world hates Jesus. And if it hates Jesus, so as he is, I am, the world should hate me. When you start looking at your surroundings and you find you have more friends in the world than you do in the body of Christ, that ought to be a red flag that something is gone awry in your life. It's absolutely impossible that you can live this risen, victorious life of the Lord Jesus and still have this world pander at your feet and be popular with the world that crucified the Jesus you say you believe in. The Bible clearly and plainly says in Luke 6 and 26, Beware when all men speak well of you. I can't tell you. I've lived on this road long enough. I've preached the gospel long enough to know that every time I preach, I make an enemy. Every time I open my mouth, I offend somebody. Every time I declare what is true according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm coming against somebody's tradition. I'm coming against somebody's mental state of being. I'm coming against somebody's accepted, qualified existence outside the kingdom of God. 
You cannot be friends to this world. You cannot be a friend of this world and live the life that's granted in the resurrection. Because if the world hated Jesus, it has to hate you. Because the servant is not better than his master. Matthew 10 and 24, you've got to understand who you are. One of the greatest questions that I hear and see uh, from people written all the time deals with purpose. When you don't know your identity, it clouds your ability to see your purpose. But his sorrows are my sorrows. His joys are my joys. His wisdom is my wisdom. His friends are my friends. His enemies are my enemies. As he is, so am I. And I want to say this, his purpose then must be my purpose. What is his purpose? The Great Commission. John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus said, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. My purpose is your purpose. I am in you. You are in me. I died for you. You died with me. I rose for you. You rose with me. I ascended for you. You ascended with me. I'm seated in the heavenlies. You're seated in the heavenlies in me. As I am, so are you in this world. Our lives now are melded together and I am living in you and you are living in me, crucified with me resurrected with me ascended with me given full access to the throne room of God like me Galatians 2 and 20 nevertheless you live not you but Christ that lives in you your purpose is to go win the lost at any cost and because you have a purpose you have to have an authority to fulfill that purpose. Some of you may think you don't have what it takes. So you have to understand that your identity connects you not only to your purpose, but it, it connects you to his authority. Because his authority is now your authority. That's the reason when he gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28 verse 18, he says, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore, and lo, I'm with you. As he is, so are we. We have authority over the devil. Why is my joy supernaturally filled? It's supernaturally filled because I have authority over everything that can come against me. Whether it be in my body, whether it be in my pocket, whether it be in my relationship, I have authority to put it back in place. Chaos can only exist where authority is not exercised. Some of you are living in chaos because you don't know who you are. Because you don't know who you are, you don't recognize your own authority. And because you don't recognize your authority, life has been chaotic for you. But the moment you begin to realize, hey, wait a minute, I don't have to take that. Hey, wait a minute, I don't have to deal with this. Hey, wait a minute, this is beneath my feet. Hey, wait a minute, I have the authority to bring order to this calamity. You know, the great question isn't, are you afraid of the devil? The question, is the devil afraid of you? 
I mean, when you read the Bible, you'll find that demons quake at Jesus. They tremble. First John 4 and 17, as he is, so are we in this world. Satan hopes you never learn what Jesus said when he said, Behold, I give authority over all the power of him. Oh, right there. Ought to just set your heart ablaze. I give authority over all the power of the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4 and 4. And we need to learn and practice our authority so we can function now as he has functioned. Let me leave you with this last thought. So many of us are forward looking. So let me say this one last thing. Not only is his authority, our authority, but his future is our future. I'm united with him in every way possible. I have a bond with Jesus, and that bond is always and forever. No matter what we may go through, no matter what our differences may be from time to time, no matter what arguments you and I may get into. We have a bond that is always and forever. First Lady knows exactly what I'm talking about. We have a bond that is always and forever. Always and forever. This is our bond with him. Uh, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, when Christ, uh, verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, now think of that phrase by itself, Christ who is our life. Not Christ that we've heard about, but Christ who is our life. That means the life I'm living is not the life of my own, but it is the life of Christ. So when Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in what? Glory. We're identified with him all the way. I tell you, when he comes again, folks, uh, when he comes in glory, you're going to be made glorious just like him. Uh, uh, this is not a love story that says to death do us part uh, because death can't do us part. Uh, nothing uh, can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, Romans 8 and 39. Uh, you see, I know who I am. Uh, he came in a cradle. He died on a cross. Uh, and soon and very soon, uh, he's coming to a coronation. Uh, and when he appears in glory, we're going to appear with him because as he is, so am I. As he is, so am I. As he is, so am I. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can accomplish. I know mine authority. I know mine power. I know mine resources. People of God, as he is, so are we. In this world. So are we. In this world. So are we. In this world. Praise God. In the highest. Praise God.
in the highest. Oh, praise God in the highest. Because there ain't no grave that can hold me down. There ain't no grave that can hold me down. Because I've been translated from death into life eternal. Know who you are, people of God. And you'll begin to realize your enemy is afraid of you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.